for me, it was like, well, that's not what the billionaires did. I got to figure out what they did. Right. And that, that's how the journey started. I just started getting obsessive about books um, in finance, sales and other things that were going to get me there because I also didn't have any money. Yet. It's just funny. It's, it's funny, you know, the way you tell the story and everything. Funny how. Come here. Come here, though. Yeah, he's crazy. Another day, my friend, just rocking it over here. West Coast, yeah. so I get started early working that East Coast schedule. Yeah, where where are you at? Cali? Uh Vegas. Oh, Vegas, okay. We're getting that those fun months where I'm I'm dealing with it here in Florida, where it's you know, it's it's the start. It's the start of something brutal. <laughs> so. Yeah, it's it's interesting. We're we're going on a, almost a record here of days in a row without hitting hundred degrees. Oh, is that right? Yeah, because normally you guys are at 100 right now, right? It's been super mild. I mean, we've had wow. a bunch of rain in the past couple of weeks, too. Super weird. That is weird. Yeah, because your rainy season is until, like, September, right? I think so. <laughs> I, I think it only <laughs> rains, like, 20 days a year or something. I just moved here a month ago. So. Oh, did you? Right on. Well, what brought you out to Vegas? Hey, Work? Lots or? of things. Um, I mean, I had a physical business, a uh, family business that we were running, you know, since I was born right outside D.C., Mm-hmm. And um, we sold that to a private equity firm, so I could kind of go wherever. And I checked out Florida, checked out Nevada, Texas. You know, it was going to be a zero tax state. And yeah. I don't know, Vegas is just one of them. It's a unique place. You can have, you can be at your house in the hills, looking at you know the mountains, and then be 15 minutes from all the best restaurants in the world. There's no traffic. You know, it's just a great place. Yeah, Vegas is Vegas is Vegas, man. Yeah. And uh, yeah, Florida's Florida's up there too. Uh, I, I've been here for pretty much my whole life, and it, it's hard for me when people talk shit about Florida. It's like I'm, dude. It's it's the best. Like I don't yeah. have any. I don't have any fucking complaints. When I lived in Orlando, it was brutal because it was Orlando, right? It's like living in L.A. I mean, you know, yeah. California is great, but if you're living in L.A. or San Fran or you know one of those places, it's like, ugh, what a shit show. But when you start going on the outskirts is you know it's fantastic yeah that's Um, what it was like in dc i just i can't do the big city with the hours of traffic anymore yeah that's right so uh walk me through so what do you do again because i I looked through your profile so i want to give um people that you know haven't seen you i'm going to link all your ig and your sites and stuff in the description below but give us a quick little cliff notes of justin yeah so kearns capital we're a 506c hedge fund uh, we got a couple different funds. Well, really, we have the main fund, which is trading fund. We use algorithms, swing trading strategies, different uh, partnerships to to run all those strategies. And then we do SPVs, which are special purpose vehicles, and that's specifically for late stage private equity heading into pre IPO season. So uh, that's exciting stuff. Yeah, man. And do you uh, do you have a spot in Vegas, or you just do everything from home? You got a no, our uh, the hedge fund's based out of Boca in Florida. So, oh, okay, all right, cool. Yeah, I'm I'm the only one on the team that's out here working remote. Yeah, <laughs> that's awesome, man. Yeah, once I work remote, I, I've been I don't know maybe two three years working from home, and it's you know it's going to be hard. You got to pay me a lot of money to go to any type of location now. I'm not doing it. <laughs> it's just so. It's so much better. The quality of life is better and I get more shit done. Like I definitely work more than if I was to go to a physical office, but 
you know, when you factor in like the hours that you're not commuting, not only are you able to get more work done, but you think about your mental health, like just driving. If it's an hour round trip a day, two hour round trip a day, just that two hours is just such a strain on your mental health. It's like not even worth it to, to go to a location anymore. So hopefully I mean, a lot I'd, of companies. I did direct sales in the car for 10 years, like driving 50,000 plus miles a year. The pandemic was the greatest thing that ever happened to me. Yeah. Well, and to a lot of people too. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, it definitely, it wasn't for like a couple million, but everyone else, it was pretty good. Yeah. So, uh, all right, cool. Well, let's, you know, let's kind of talk a little bit about um, your expertise because, you know, for me, I uh, I talk a lot about, and we've mentioned this before, but I talk a lot about mental, physical, and financial health. Uh, the most I've t- kind of dug into the topic because I'm no expert um, on the financial side is a little bit with, um, you know, 401ks, Roths, you know, IRAs, things like that, where I've had a, a couple experts discussing that type of thing because it's fascinating to me generationally that everybody's different and everyone's raised different, of course, but there's one thing that a lot of people don't have that common sense of and, and it's hard to get your money on track and to focus on saving money or investing the right way when we're kind of taught as an early age, even in school, when we're in middle school and elementary school, especially now these poor kids, um, everything around us if it's not, you know, uh, family or friends, like everything materialistic wise is so good now. Like everything is so awesome. Like there's not a lot of things that suck. And it's so hard, like as a child, I can't imagine like a teenager right now when you have every single person has a new iPhone. Every single person has a vlogging camera. Every single person you see is driving around in a new car and they got a nice house. And there's a lot of people out there that are very pretty very privileged and they're just they're carrying all this cool shit it's hard not to get sucked into that world of i want the cool shit i want the starbucks every day i want you know what i mean so it's like what do i do if i do have money but everybody else around me is buying all this shit i want this stuff because i'm watching tv commercials and i'm you know i got the jones effect going on and yep. i i realized that at a very early age to invest money and live below my means and keep my break even low but that's few and far between. A lot of people that I talked to, even my close friends, took them, you know, to their late 30s when they were forced to, you know, save money because they accidentally had a kid. And they're like, oh, shit, maybe I should look at my finances. But it's weird that a lot of Americans in particular kind of need that, like, kick in the ass, you know. And that's why a lot of kids, you know, end up being raised in not very positive households. You know, the families end up getting divorced later on because they're not— you know, there's some resentment in there. So there's a lot of snowballing effect that's fascinating to me about like training kids at an early age to save and invest and to understand this stuff versus like, you know, how to dissect a frog. It's like, you yeah, know, what are we doing here? Yeah. So and I, I and, and I watched a bunch of your content around health and stuff like that. I had a health coaching company and we did, we had an organic food delivery service. So I can, oh, I nice. can talk a lot about that stuff too. Like Hell the physical, yeah. the mental side of it. But yeah, I mean, like with what you just said, I mean, it's it's super depressing when I'm getting on an airplane and I'm sitting in first class and I watch all these people dripping in designer go into the back of the plane. <laughs> That's a great way of looking at it. What what That's... are we doing, guys? Like social media is making you fake it. Like, yeah, it's so a funny. disease. 
Yeah, and wh- I mean, what do you think is the the root cause of that? Like how uh, like how old are you, if you don't mind me asking? Thirty six. Okay, so I just turned thirty eight. So I think we're on the same wavelength. But you know, yep. it, it's funny because a lot of you know my parents in particular, and they told me like in my twenties, like most, hey, don't do this, don't do that, don't. But now it's so difficult because it's way different now from a tech side of like everything that's happening. So I know it's harder. I'm not ignorant to the fact that I know it's tough when all your friends have cool shit and stuff. But I think we're smart enough now where like as a society, I I think we understand that all of this is just a waste of money. But it's it's is, gotten is, polarized, right? Right. You got tons of young kids that are killing it that have. Yeah. massive amounts of assets because they were focused and then the other kids go the other direction. It's it's yeah. just gotten pol- like completely polarized. I think. Yeah, yeah. And it's either like you're on one side or the other. You know, like <laughs> like I talked to my friends because I've, I've owned, rented, and sold. Uh, this will, I'm in my fourth house now. But um, in 10 years. And when I first started in my early 20s, picking up properties and stuff everyone thought my my friends in particular were like dude what are you doing like you like you know you're missing the concert this weekend like and i'm like dude i got plenty and they laughed they think it's hilarious and then here we are a decade later and now they're they're trying to catch up um and it's it's weird because we see it happen right like our parents told us take 10 percent, put in your savings account like we did but we never listen though and like as a new father i know i'm going to tell my babies that hey listen do this too and they're prop they're gonna do what they're gonna do i get it but it's so weird this i don't know if it's an evolutionary thing but we just like want to continue to get the new shit and we want the new vr goggles and we want to see like it's this very you know uh addictive type of uh trigger that we have i think so it's so interesting right like and when I talk to people like me who delayed the gratification, like stayed in the first house for 10 years, even when you made seven figures, you know, mm, like yeah. the, the pain that I had was different. I never like the thing that made me so angry was having to look at the price on the menu when you go to dinner. Mm. Like, am I going to like, am I out enjoying myself? Do I have to pick between the steak and the chicken? Like that just never sat well with me. Mm. And it just wasn't time to go to dinner. Yeah. You know, yeah. like that internalized yeah. that because I just I wanted to eliminate that pain and you're going to live through pain. Right. It's going to be I'm getting the short term fix, the dopamine hit. I went to Louis Vuitton. I'm going to go fake it at the club and then I'm miserable all week figuring out how I'm going to pay the credit card bill. That's yeah. that's not happiness. Right. So wild. I chose to suffer for a long period of time and do nothing but work and invest so that I could turn on the spigot at some point and live the way I want the rest of my life and not worry about money. It's that simple. Yeah. Yeah. And I I do love that conversation too, because it's very similar to like working out in my opinion. I relate those two things. It obviously takes a lot of discipline to save and invest and to know the long-term strategy of like having a a, a good investment portfolio. And then you look at like working out, it's kind of the same thing where that's kind of your investment portfolio you're building is, you know, you're not, are you looking to have a six pack to go to the beach this summer? Or do you want to run around with your grandkids at 80? So yeah. that's kind of how I think of things is like, I want to run around with my grandkids when I'm 80. So what do I got to do? Well, I can't work out when I'm 70. I have to work out for the next 30 years. And then if I do that and I take care of myself and I do everything, I, then I'm going to be able to do those type of things. But when you look at like older people now, 
their biggest regret is not spending enough time with their family and not being healthier. Those are the two biggest regrets. So if I can avoid one of those things by just lifting a little weight, taking care of my body, not eating like shit all the time, and I can live longer, like, oof, exciting. And then parallel to that, I can save money in my 20s and 30s so that way I can retire at an early age and have money when I'm 50, 60 and travel the world, travel the world. Okay. But yeah, you got to make that sacrifice, right? Like that's the hard part. Yeah. And And so living in extremes, right? Like I used to really live in extremes, like had to do 75 hard, you know, Mm. you know, like look like doing it for the six pack, right? Now it's like, that's just not sustainable. Even the guys who get on stage, they look like that for a week and then you're, you're normal again. So now Uh it's more of, I hate to to use the word balance because balance did not get me to where I am, but you're going to have to go through periods of time in your life where it's all in and then it's okay to be, have balance. You got to, I feel like you got to earn the right to have the balance. Mm. Yeah. That's a great way of putting it. Yeah. I mean, you look at like these fitness studs that, you know, like he's just coming to mind because I just saw uh, Extraction 2, great movie by the way. But Chris Hemsworth is a good example to where like he's, you know, if you look at like previous photos and whether he was on gear or not, you know, that's that's irrelevant. But the point is he worked his ass off in his 20s and, you know, t- late 20s. But before that, he was he was a twig, you know, compared to like his first role in Thor. He got jacked, he got shredded, and then now he's on the maintaining stage. And if you look at him right now, he's not in the best shape he was when he was Thor, because that takes a lot of discipline. But now he's in this maintaining stage. And when he's 40, 50, he's going to continue to maintain. And that's what yeah. you kind of have to do is you got to work your ass off for a long period of time at an early stage and then be able to maintain it. And it's a lot easier to maintain it, you know, as you get older versus trying to like get the results you want when you get older. You know, that's, that's where I have a lot of like family friends that are a little bit older, 40 and 50. And they always ask me like, Hey, Tony, what can I do? What can I eat to do? And I go, make it 20 years ago. (laughs) (laughs) Rewind the clock 20 years ago, and it's going to be a lot easier. But you can't. I mean, because once you're at a certain point, your metabolism drops, your your testosterone is not as high. So unless you're going to get some TRT, I mean, there's not a lot you can do from a weight training perspective to gain a lot of muscle and burn a lot of fat. You know, so it's like you got to do this shit at an early age. And it, it's interesting when, when you kind of put it in that perspective. And you know, some of these cats we're talking about, like Hemsworth. I mean, those guys have trainers twenty four seven, right? Working with them and training. So they don't have as much discipline as you think. They're having a lot of help. So it does take a very strong minded individual to get where you need to be. And I would imagine, you know, financially too, it's the same thing, right? Like when you first started getting some wealth. I mean, were you doing this thing on your own, or did you get some help? Like, what was your start journey, you know, in your early twenties? Yeah. I mean, for me, it was a obsessive learning, right? I mean, it's, mm-hmm. I looked at, um, you know, cause my, my parents were pretty middle-class going up. Um, my dad, big entrepreneur made a bunch of money, had some financial reversal. So I got to live through that as a child, which was a huge benefit to me as an adult, right? Most people cool. have to learn these hard lessons as an adult. You get to learn them as a child. It's, it's to me a super, a huge head start. So mm-hmm. I just knew um, from watching my grandparents and my parents, um, even to this day, that the traditional model of saving, whether it was, you know, 403B, 401K, any of these government-sponsored vehicles, 
you end up at the end accumulating money that you cannot use for your entire life when you have a working body, when you can go do things, right? You can't even touch your money. And then once you hit retirement and you turn on the spigot, now you're living in a constant state of perpetual fear of how much can I draw down until the end, hmm. right? It's yeah. it's a formula for fear and scarcity the whole way from the time you start working until the time you die. So <clears throat> for me, it was like, well, that's not what the billionaires did. I got to figure out what they did, right? right. And that, that's how the journey started. I just started getting obsessive about books um, in finance and sales and other things that were going to get me there because I also didn't have any money yet. So in in a weird way, I was I did what the opposite of what most entrepreneurs do. They learn how to get really good at business. They make a bunch of money, and then then they know nothing about investing when they get the money, and they usually lose it. Right. Right. Everybody knows somebody that lost all their money. Mm-hmm. It's it's way too common a thing, right? So I just front loaded that work the whole time I was you know building my career. I was acting as if I already had millions of dollars, and what am I going to do with it? Right. And that's when I, I learned to throw out most of the financial books that you're going to read because most of them are going to be like, you can't beat the index, dollar cost average, like Tony Robbins, Money Master of the Game, like one of the most popular money books in the world. I read it. I threw it in the trash. Yeah. Like if it doesn't get you to where you want to go, you got to reject it. Yeah. Keep seeking. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, there's I would imagine there's no right formula, you know, because, you know, a lot of people say, you know, I got guys that. I got buddies of mine that make six figures and, you know, they're not happy. And then I got guys that, you know, make a hundred grand a year and and have a couple kids and they're, they're super happy and they're very content and, you know, they don't need a lot. They don't have a lot of drive to get there, but it's like, what is your level of success? Like what, uh, I was listening to a quote, uh, I think it was from a podcast. I forget who it was from though. Um, it's going to kill me. I know I'm going to think of it a second this podcast gets done, but he said, once you get to that finish line. Once you get to the point of your success, like if you were to write down a sentence of what your success is, okay, fast forward, let's say 20 years, you reach that. Congratulations, you're 60. Now what? And that's what a lot of people do, right? When they have all that money is they get to that certain point where they think that was the line, that was the succeed line. And they get there and they're like, oh shit, now what? You know, and yeah. they don't know what to do with their money. Like you were saying, they don't know what to do with to, to invest. So it's almost better to have that investment plan early. Like you say, do your research, do what you got to do to, you know, learn the grassroots of that and then work however you got to get there to make that money. And then you'll know what to do with it to stretch that out, whether it's through, you know, a Roth or it is 401k, whatever it is, but learn how to stretch that money as you're getting it. Because a lot of people, I think, just want to drink margaritas on the beach and retire. Okay, that's great. Then it what? lasts a month. I just <laughs> right. did it. Trust me, it, it lasts a month. And then you're yeah. like, I got to get working again. Yeah, now what? Like, what do we do? <laughs> yeah. So, well, I mean, what, do, what would you tell people if they're in their mid-20s, um, they got a decent job, you know, they don't have any idea where to start, where to invest, or, you know, how to uh, earn passive income, or, you know, retire by the, by the time they're 70? Like, what, what do you think is, is some pillars that they could focus on? I think the first thing is just your, your structure, right? What type of investor do I want to be? The way I looked at it is money's all wrong, right? 
let's think about the way that that we spend money, right? Like mm-hmm. your your bills hit monthly, right? Or bi-weekly, whatever it is, every 30 days, you, you got expenses, right? The credit card bills every month, your mortgage is monthly. So if all your expenses are monthly, wouldn't it make sense to invest in mm. things that pay you monthly? Mm. It would. Right. So for me, the, the number one principle is in, in the beginning, I decided I wasn't going to be a, a growth nest egg investor. I was going to be a cash flow investor. In other words, if the investment doesn't pay me today, tomorrow, and in the future, I'm not interested because I need my bills paid today. Right. And we are all one tragedy away from losing our active income. Yeah. You know, like everybody thinks it's not going to happen to them, but it's way too close to home. I mean, it just happened in my family. I'm watching it firsthand and, you know, you speak in, I speak in a room full of people. I'm like, how many of you know somebody that's gotten cancer, somebody that died in a car accident, right? It's like, if you lost your active income today, how long is your family going to be okay? Yeah. Yeah. That's the way I look at it in terms of, because that's the mental shift you have to have, or you're just going to go spend it on, on BS. And then like when you get it, it, like, let's say something happens to your mom and she's on a single income and you got to pay her hospital bills or, or her mortgage, or she's on the street and and you're walking around, you know, with a $20,000 watch or something, how are you going to feel about yourself? Yeah. Yeah. And you know that, and that's the scary thing that people don't think about, you know, and, and plan for because, you know, newsflash every day, there's going to be something awesome that you want to buy. There just is. It, that's not going to stop. It's here's some breaking news on the Broader Podcast. Everything that comes out from today for the rest of your life is going to continue to get better and better, and you're going to want it all. But you have to think: Do I want that shit? That's just materialistic stuff that I'm not going to use, or do I want to be able to take care of my family and take care of myself? And I, I had a couple scares myself. I don't want to bore my listeners because I've talked about it. I mean, you know ad nauseum, but I, uh, I had a a lung tumor or tumor in my lung last year and I had to get that surgically removed. Thank goodness it wasn't cancerous, but they had to remove a third of my lung and it was some of the worst pain and worst recovery in my life. And then in during that time, uh, my father-in-law, my, my wife's father passed away, uh, literally the day that I got discharged. And this whole time we've also been trying to have a child, but it's been non-existent and we've done like IUIs and IVF and all this stuff. So if that wasn't enough, not only are we wasting all this money uh, on IUIs and trying to, you know, have a kid, but then I got laid off when I got out of the hospital <laughs> from my job, making well over six figures. And so to get rid of that income and also have all this stuff to happen, to say the least, it was one of the worst years of our life. But, you know, what I, I talk about this a lot because the only reason we were able to survive is because I saved for 10 years and I've been in, I was in real estate and I had property that I eventually sold just cause it made sense. Cause the market, thank goodness I did. Cause now we're starting to, to drop a little bit, but you know, so but, I sold at its peak. So th- that helped. But if I didn't do all that stuff in my twenties, we would literally be on the street. We'd be fucked. So people don't think like you said, it's going to happen to them, but not only did all that stuff happen to me, but it happened like back to back to back to back. Like if it didn't happen back to back, it wouldn't be as bad. 
but thank goodness that we were secure in ourselves. And, you know, props to my wife for continuing her job and working hard and, and doing all that. But it's just, it's, you don't think about that stuff, but when I got involved into real estate, when I got involved into investing and saving money, that's the only thing I thought about when I was in my twenties. Once I got done partying and tender and all that bullshit, once I got done with that for like, you know, half a decade, cause that's enough on tender. But once, once you like four or five years, you're good. And once I did that, I'm like, all right, I need to fucking save money for my future wife and future kid. I don't know who it is yet, but I know I'm going to need money because if I want a nice girl, a nice classy broad, not on Tinder, I need to make <laughs> sure I have some some disposable income and I need to make sure I have my shit together and I need to have a plan. So I put together a, a five-year plan then a 10-year plan and that's that. So, But, you know, a lot of people don't think like that, especially nowadays. Nope. It's so weird. You know, it's a balance it could, though. Yeah. You know, like, I mean, I'm not impressed with someone who saves everything and never enjoys their life and dies with a monster nest egg. That's not cool either. For but sure. I also, you know, have a lot of people in my life that are like, I could die tomorrow. I'm spending it today. I'm not worried about the future. You know, that's, that's not a recipe either. So I, yeah. it's somewhere in the middle of all that, you know, like you have to enjoy it now, but you have to be responsible for the future at, at the same time. For sure. And, you know, not only that, but it's also like one of those things where if you do want to have a partner too, you know, you want to make sure you're, you're set up with them as well, you know, cause uh, most important decision you'll ever make. Yeah. I mean, one of the, one, like, are you, you married? You got a girl? Yep. Married. Hey, congrats. How long? Uh, married for coming up on four years, but we've been together for 10 and that's, that's a huge detail to this conversation. I mean, we were yeah. broke when we met, both of us, negative net worths, right? Wow. And part of us getting together was removing ourselves from those networks and, and you know, the early 20s, um, just mm-hmm. bad decision networks we were in. And we decided to move ourselves to a new place and start a life together with these goals of getting rid of that and actually building a life, right? So, I mean, I just... There's so many spouses are the number one killer of dreams. There's just no question. Like you have to be on the same page and be a team. If you're not a team, how much harder is it going to be? It's already going to be really hard. You have to have a team member with you. Yeah. Oh, that's so true. Yeah. Cause not having that right support system, uh, not only is going to like crush your dreams, but if they're not supportive, there's going to be a resentment down the road. And then, you know, that's why you look at a lot of couples that end up getting divorced after four five, six years is because the other person was held back from doing really what they want to do. And, you know, you got to experiment. You got to experiment early in that relationship and be honest with each other and just tell each other, hey, listen, this is what I want to do. Oh, yeah, this is what I want to do. All right, how can we make both those things happen? And if we can't, then let's set up goals to make sure that maybe I do mine, then you do yours, and we'll figure out a plan and structure. But, yeah, the fact that people just kind of go through life like, I'll figure it out, it's like, that is terrifying to me. Like, I'm just not, it works for some people. That does not work for me. It is just, my wife sometimes makes fun of me because I think so far ahead, even she wants to hang out with some friends later today after I, I do this call with Ann. And she's like, hey, yeah, let's drive. And I'm like, all right, where are we going? And they're like, yeah, we, they want to go to St. Pete, which is like an hour and a half from us. And I'm like, all right, well, let's see. It's it's a three-hour round trip. So then uh, either we have dinner there, we have dinner when we get back, and then how much are we going to spend there? And then, okay, they, yeah, okay. So I'm doing the math in my head of, like, already leaving. Because <laughs> I'm yeah. like, how much do I need to do when I get back? Like, I got to do a lot of stuff. And she's like, can you just chill the fuck out and not worry about it? I was like, no, that's not me. I, I can't. 
I got to think far ahead. I think, you know, weeks, days, months ahead. So that's just, yeah. that's just how I am. Yeah. I'll try to be spontaneous every now and then, but yeah, it's every now and then. It's tough. <laughs> I'm going to go with the flow, but very calculated. <laughs> Correct. Yeah. And if I am very go with the flow, I probably just calculated it already. And then I, I laid out a couple situations and then I just kind of persuaded them to pick my decision. Just made it, made it their own. I do that with my wife all the time. I give her two options. <laughs> Everything's about flows, right? Yeah. It's like, I literally, I know what the income is per day. So it's like, <laughs> this is what we've allotted for today. Like, that's <laughs> it. You know, this is our break even. We can't go over it. Yeah. Yep. Store it up for a couple of days leading up or whatever. Like everything's planned. Like, and if you don't that's have right. a plan, you know, something bad's got a plan for you instead. Dude, for sure. And, you know, yeah. sometimes, uh, and this is a, an important note too for people listening, that even though you make a plan, it's not always going to go your way. But again, if something doesn't go your way, I usually have a plan for that as well. And that's kind of the difference between, and a lot of, a lot of women I feel like don't understand this. I can't speak for all relationships, but I know if like I'm a man in a woman relationship and I have a woman, she never understands my thought process when it comes to like, we're guys and girls are very emotional in different ways. Guys, I feel like are more emotional to where like I close my eyes, I try to go to sleep. And all I could think about is like, am I going to grab my gun because someone's going to pop through the door? Like that's, that's where my mind goes, right? I'm always thinking and planning worst case scenario. The ladies like, when am I going to get at Starbucks tomorrow? Like, that's how I feel <laughs> their thought. Like, they're very, like, some of them are planned and calculated, but most of the time it's they're not stressing out and worrying so much about, like, what's going to happen later on. We're, we're a species, men in particular, we're like a species of, like, worst case scenario, I feel like. Where I'm always thinking, like, worst case scenario. So I have to plan for it. You know, I got to plan for the apocalypse. I got to plan for this. I got to plan for that. I mean, I don't know. Yeah. Or just not staying in the feeling. Like, we're always trying to be solution-oriented instead of, like, this is happening, you know? Right. <laughs> Impression spot on. This is happening. Yeah. That's perfect. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then, I mean, are you finding that, uh, like, in your relationship? Uh, I mean, does your wife do your same line of work? No, totally she... different. Okay. But this is, you know, different phases of life. Things are going to change, right? In the beginning, it was, hey, we're broke. We don't want to be broke. All hands on deck until we get to X, right? Right. Buying the first property, not spending any money, you know, doing it again, doing it again. And then getting to a point where you have the big hockey stick breakthrough, you could say. And then it's like, hey, you know what? If you don't want to work anymore, you don't have to. That's you know, beautiful. So setting up a goal. Yeah. Different phases are going to require different parts of you. And then it's like, you know, you get to these these hockey stick moments in your life and it's it's hard to turn it off, right? And then you got to get real with yourself and be like, okay, am I ever going to enjoy this a little bit? And as yeah. long as you're doing it responsibly, I, I just see a lot of people that just can be too successful, you know? It's, yeah. I, I was that person that's so obsessive. I mean, I, I would go months without taking a day off. I mean, months. Because yeah. I just... For me, it was, I got to get here first and then I'll take a day off. It wasn't like I need a break from my life every weekend. That just right. never made sense to me. Yeah. Especially if you love what you're doing. Even if you don't. Yeah. 
Yeah. I didn't love what I was doing for 10 years. And, you were and I did it anyways. Yeah. Like, you don't have to love it in the beginning. You're, you're going to do what's necessary so that eventually you can go do whatever it is that you love to do. Mm. Yeah. If, if you do what you love off the beginning and it doesn't make any money, like you'll be broke and miserable, but doing what you love for the rest of your life, I don't know if that's the solution either. Yeah. Yeah, that is a weird thing a lot of people, yeah. like a lot of these quote-unquote gurus talk about where they're like, it's okay, just, you know, go live with your parents and do what you want to do. You'll be happy. Will you? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe. Maybe you will. You know, if you're you're doing what you love and you have but you know, I always go back to like even doing what you love and you're working for someone else, in an instant that could be shut off. Yeah. You know, so like if you're uh, you know, a photographer and you work in a photography studio and you love doing it and you get paid thirty, forty, fifty grand and you're excited and you're, you know, living below your means and life is good and you have no complaint. That studio could lay you off tomorrow. And then yeah. now, now what are you going to do? Right? Like, I think those gurus talk a, a good game when you work for yourself and do what you love. Maybe that makes more sense. You know, so if you are a photographer and you love being a photographer, instead of working for a studio, just be a freelancer, work for yourself. Cause now you're in charge of your income. You're not going to fire yourself. Right. And it might be a little bit more stressful, but at least you'll be able to do what you love and you have control over a little bit more versus putting, you know, all your eggs in one basket. Or realize that you have the capacity to do both in the beginning. Ooh. I'll elaborate That's what on that, I did. Justin. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it's like, like all these people are like, um, I got my nine to five. I'm thinking about leaving and starting my own thing. Like, why do you think that you've earned the right to get rid of your W2 and go start something? You didn't save any money. You don't have any capital to go do it. You're going to crash and burn and need to get a job again. Like, hmm. there's going to be these periods of your life where all you're going to do is work. <laughs> like, if you want to have, if you want to break out of obscurity. So, yeah. no, you keep the W-2. You freelance on the weekend or at night after work. You don't need friends. Yeah. Friends are not going to give you money, but the work you're going to do is. You really like your friends. You really care about them. Say, hey, you know what? I'll see you in 24 to 36 months and I'm paying for dinner. Big. Big. But Justin, that's so much work. Oh my goodness. That's what people, yeah. That's, that's what I did, man. Like I, I, I currently own three companies. Uh, one is my, my content business that I own that obviously I do the podcast, but I also am a podcast coach and I, uh, I create content for a, a lot of brands. And then uh, me and my wife own a company a date night subscription box company. So we own that. And I was able to kind of do that once I got laid off that original time because I had the savings, because I had the capital and I worked hard to to do it. But now I always live by the rule of, okay, so this is where I made a, you know, when I had the W-2, this is my break even, this is what I need to make. And I work until I get to that point. And then once I get to that point and, you know, we make our nut for the month, then I know that any extra work I do, that's going to go into savings and we could do vacations or we could buy things for the baby. Like we could do this and that, but you know, I'm, I'm a freak when it comes to working. So I know I'm able to do that type of stuff. So a lot of people, when they ask me, cause I've been able to do it for a year now and we're completely fine with the baby on the way. But if I let off the pedal, even for a second, we wouldn't be in the situation we're in. We wouldn't be fortunate enough. So it's like, you have to make that distinction. If you do have that W2 and you are working nine to five, you work a little bit extra like I did. I've, I've, ha I've had this podcast for four years now 
And I've been, I was doing it on the side, making $0 for three years of it. Now I'm able to make some money off it. But yeah, for three years, it was 6 p.m. every single day. It was on the weekends I was editing. And, you know, my wife at the time, she was my fiance. She's like, you're always on the laptop. What are you doing? I'm like, because, I mean, if, you know, if I want to make a living out of this, I got to fucking commit to it. So, yeah. And, and, you, and you didn't say, I'm going to try this for 60 days or right. 90 days. Like you don't put expiration dates on your goals because you don't know when you're going to hit them. That's right. Yeah. I think if we all knew <laughs> what that would be, it would kind of take the fun out of it. Well, everybody would do it. Everyone like, would do it. That's the blind yeah. faith component. Why nobody can dive in and stick with it. Yeah. Like they tell you up front when you get a job, how much you're going to get every week. People can buy into that. When you mm -hmm. go into any of this stuff, paying for a mastermind where you might meet the person who's going to help you go to a million or, you know, your next business partner or whatever, but you can't spend a couple thousand bucks on that. Cause like, what's, what am I going to get out of it? What's the ROI? That's the whole point. That's why that's where the gold is. You yeah. don't get to know in advance. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the key, right? I mean, uh, I mean, it's true what they say. If you want to make money, you got to spend money. And sometimes I look at like spending money also is time, right? Time is money. So you, you got to spend some time if you want to make the money too. So it's that sacrifice that you're going to have to make, whether it's, you know, financially you're making the sacrifice or time-wise. I mean, if you're, if you want to make the money, you got to put in the time and the effort and the hours, and it's got to be a little bit extra than what you're normally doing, you know? And yeah. Especially, um, there was a great quote that um, a very successful buddy of mine told me, um, had him on the podcast before, and he goes, he goes, listen, man, you know, success is not what you're doing now. Success is what you're doing extra. And I go, what do you mean by that? He's like, well, if you're working nine to five and you're making X amount of dollars a year and you don't find that to be successful, you can't keep working that job and expect more. You have to do more on top of that. And that's how you're going to be successful. You got to put in that little extra. You can't rely on that company to give you a promotion every year and give you that 5% raise that they promise you. Like that doesn't exist. You, you know, you being the best employee in that corporation doesn't necessarily mean you're going to make the most money. In fact, contrary to popular belief, you're probably not going to advance at all. Either you're going to die there or you're going to have to leave or you're going to get fired. But Doing the same thing every single day, that's the definition of insanity, right? Is doing the same thing over and over and expecting a different result. And a lot of people go through life working their normal job, expecting that they're going to make more and be more successful at that job. You have to do that job and a little bit extra, right? Like if you're a lawyer and you're supposed to work X amount of hours, you got to put in a little extra hours if you want to make it to partner. Like you got to put a little bit extra, you got to do a little bit more and then you'll be successful. But that, that, that yeah. word scares people because that takes away from Netflix time too, right? Like that's. <laughs> yeah. But that's the thing is like people say they, they want these things. They want to do it. No, you don't. You don't. Like it's, yeah. you're just lying to yourself every day. If you yeah. really wanted to do it, you would get serious about it. You would at least ask someone that's more successful than you for a little bit of guidance and help. Like that's how yeah. I know when someone's serious. They're like, oh, I want to do this and that. And I'm standing right in front of them. I'm like. What do you want to know? They don't even ask. <laughs> ask me. They don't even know what to ask. Yeah. Yeah. Because they're, they like the idea of it. They're not really invested in it. You can tell the difference. Someone who's had enough pain to take action. Most of the people are just not there yet. And it's so easy and comfortable to just take the paycheck, 
show up every week. It's okay, you know? Yeah. Yeah, that, that's a great way of putting it. it. It's comfortable. It's safe. Yeah, it is. It's it's safe if if you don't have aspirations. To me, I had to go down this this painful road of figuring it out because to me, the risk was not giving myself a chance to have the life I wanted. Yeah. I'd be risking everything up front. Yeah. Fascinating. And then, so what do, so again, we go back to, all right, so if people are looking to make some sort of change, where would you say they begin? Like what, what should they do if they had a little bit of capital? Um, what's the next step for them? Yeah. So I think understanding the, the two worlds of investing. So you've got, you know, the public markets, Everything that you're allowed to invest in, the public can do 401ks. You can get a, bro- a brokerage account. Mm-hmm. Um, you can buy a house, you know. But what you can't do is invest in accredited investing investments only, like private placements, 506Cs. Mm-hmm. The SEC has a barrier to entry to where the real investments are. Mm-hmm. So in the beginning, what I tell people is, because the SEC defines an accredited investor if it's an individual, you got to have $200,000 of gross income in the previous two years. If you're married, it's 300000 mm. The other way you can be accredited is to have a million-dollar net worth excluding your primary residence. Mm. If you do not check one of those boxes, in my opinion, it is not time to invest yet. Mm. Cash Smart. only. And then invest in yourself, books, mentorship, masterminds, marketing for your business. If you're not making 300 grand, you don't have any money to invest, right? So invest in yourself a thousand percent until you become accredited mm-hmm. and you got at least a hundred grand because the, the stuff that, that we're doing, all the, the big guys, real estate syndicators, the minimum investment's a hundred thousand. Yeah. So you got, you got to be... You got to invest in yourself and become the person that can be an investor first. And I mean, the the hardest part about what you're saying is exactly that, which is getting the capital, getting that hundred grand. And a lot of people don't think it's feasible. Um, it is though. It is if you really power down. I mean, I I I decided to go the real estate uh, way, which I probably would have done more, not knowing that I what I know now. Um, of course, we always say that, right? Like. Even, even as we go to it's like, oh, my dad told me not to drink alcohol. And I, of course, wasted 10 years of my life doing it. But, you know, it's, it's fun. But it's like, it's like, oh, I wish I knew. But I really do, though. I wish I bought five houses instead of three. You know what I mean? Like, I, I wish I bought uh, more money in stocks at an early age when I knew I should have pulled the trigger. Like, there, there's different ways that you could do it. And then also, too, you got to have that long-term plan and just understand you're putting money into one thing and you just can't touch it for a little bit. You know, like to, to put it in perspective, I mean, just one house that I sold last year, I already made over hundred K and that's, that's the difference is like you buy it low, just as you would with most things. And if you don't want to fix it up and remodel, then you got to figure out a way, maybe I need to wait this out and see if it's going to sell, or you can invest time and energy into flipping houses. But there, what I love most about real estate maybe not necessarily right now. I'd love to get your opinion on this, but I know when I bought my first house, my first house was 170 grand or 160 grand. 
and it was a beautiful 3-2 um, in a nice part of Orlando. And that same house today would go for a half a million. So that was less than 10 years ago. What's fascinating, which people don't understand about real estate, same thing with stocks. It's never been to a point in our history where it goes backwards. So like houses, when I was a kid, when you were a kid, like my dad got his house for 30 grand. Now their interest rates for 18%, (laughs) but the, the, the house itself was, was 30, 50 grand. So think about that. That was 30, 40 years ago. Now there are half a million for that same house. So if you invest into real estate, just like a lot of other things, there's never going to be a moment where it goes backwards. You just have to wait it out. That's the key. What I've seen in investing that that I've done is you just got to wait it out. You can't look for the quick nut. You got to have that long, that patience for it. Yeah, that is the hardest. I mean, part you're, you're getting into the concept of slow money, fast money. Correct. I I believe you need a combination of both. Yeah. Right. So. Yeah. You know, I've got I've got a, a lot of money tied up in big commercial multifamily projects. It's over sixteen hundred units across five states. Mm. I know that that money's locked up for five to ten years. Right. Locked. Very yeah. long term play. Do I get cash flow in the short term? Yes. Like very first principle. If it doesn't pay me every month, every quarter, it's, to me, I'm I'm just it, it doesn't fit my investment profile. Right. Um, that changes as you get further along. But it, it'll still like anything that's like, like we just did um, an SPV for a private company called Flexport, $6 billion company that's going public in the next 12 to 24 months, right? So I, I put some money in that deal. I would not do that if I was in the beginning. Right. Yeah. Right. Because that's Then you can start cash. to do stuff like that, like private equity plays, things that are more aggressive. If you want to invest in startups, you know, that's not my thing. It's too risky. But yeah. take care of your slow money first. Like, you got to have until your monthly cash flow meets like your need, like what your W2 is, or at least your basic expenses. I wouldn't invest in anything else. You need to free yourself from the rat race and the stress yeah. of your active income before you start doing aggressive plays. Yeah. And I mean, when it comes to making income, whatever you do for your job, the easiest way to make more money, in my opinion, what I've seen is stop spending it. Right. That's the easiest way, like from a short term perspective, like if you're in your 20s, like everything you're talking about makes sense to me. But if you're in your 20s, listening to this, you got a thousand dollars in your bank account. You would have three thousand if you just spent less money. And yeah. then if you, you got to right? cut, you got to cut in the beginning, gotta depending cut. where you are, yeah. but also understand that you cannot cut your expenses enough to get wealthy. So that's true. It's that's true. Cut. Stay and don't. I think the biggest key is is like when you have your baseline. Like if you live in an apartment, let's right. say it's fifteen hundred bucks a month. You got a five hundred dollar car payment. If you're at two thousand a month overhead, mm-hmm. cool, right? Don't yeah. worry about like, because like if you if you cut the car payment to two fifty, like two hundred fifty bucks is two hundred fifty bucks. Right. You you need to learn how to double your income and then double your income again and then and while you're doubling, 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 don't move the baseline. Yeah. Don't the longer more. you do that the more separation you'll have from society that's it. exactly yeah yeah and, and cutting off that that faucet of of everyone else listening or everyone else talking you know if you can cut off that faucet of everybody else around you talking shit and just not listen to that drip 
of every single person just telling you what to do and what not to do. I love what you said is invest in yourself, focus on yourself, do your own research, try not to listen to those outside influencers, especially the people that aren't good at the things you want to be good at. You know, like my, my favorite thing, I, I love when people say, especially that we got a kid on the way and they're always trying to give us advice. But then I see them at the park with their kid and I'm like, I'm not fucking listening to this person. What an asshole this person. <laughs> like they're, they're the worst parent I've ever seen. You know, it's the same people that you want to give you relationship advice that have had, you know, two divorces. It's like, what are you doing telling me what to do? Yeah. You know, but that's the thing. If you want to make a lot of money, you probably shouldn't listen to the guy that works at Starbucks. You know what I mean? Like he's, he's probably not what you want to listen to. It's Nothing just amazing. Starbucks. It's amazing how many dreams and opportunities are killed by people in your life. I've seen it a million times. It's happened it's happened to me where I've had to yeah. check myself. Like, oh, man, I almost didn't make that decision because someone around me said it was a bad idea, but they had never done it before. So why? Yeah, that's so true. Because in the beginning, you're going to have so much doubt, right? You, you're going to feel like you're, you're, you're not worth it. And every successful person felt this way, by the way. Right? For sure. We, we all felt inadequate. And guess what? You still do. Like the rooms I go into now, I feel completely inadequate to some of these people that are doing way bigger things than me, right? It's never going to go away. But yeah. in the beginning, you haven't calloused yourself to deal with it. Proximity is everything. So the, the, the biggest hack I've seen to get rid of this and, and to overcome it, it's going to be very difficult for you to break out of your networks, to tell your friends that you live near, like, I'm not going out this Friday. Or I'm, I'm not going on whatever. The easiest way to handle this is you're going to know at these certain breakpoints in your life where you see yourself, you're out living the network that you're in. You've outgrown them all. You got to move to a new city. Like get out of town mm. because you'll create the separation that's needed and it won't be painful. You probably don't have it in you to tell your best friend from college, hey, like I'm going somewhere you're not. Like we can't really hang out every weekend anymore. But so you true. can move to a different city and that's see so them true. a couple times a year. Yeah, that's so true, man. That's, that's great advice. That, that's the advice that I was given a long time ago. And uh, we went from Orlando to Tampa. I moved because of a, a job. But man, the second I moved away from all my high school and college friends, almost within an instant, I became more successful. And that's not a doc that's on them because I'm still, they're still my greatest friends and I see them every time I go to Orlando and they're the best and I love them but at the time it wasn't right for me especially when I wanted to start a family to hang out you know and do what they wanted to do right so you kind of have to I love the idea of separating from city to city because it's and it's almost like um it made me feel a little bit better too not just by doing that but when I did visit them it was like it was exactly how it sounded where I've never seen them before like I showed up, I gave him the biggest hug and the kiss. And I was like, you motherfucker, I missed you, man. Like it was, we, we had more love in that, in those short moments, because I'm like, I'm not going to see this person for another six months, eight months. And you appreciate friends a lot more versus like hanging out with them every single Friday. And you get into these scuffs and those aren't your real friends, in my opinion, long-term anyway. You know, the ones that I could see once every three, four years, these are people that I would take a bullet for. You know, yeah. because I just, it's, it's a stronger relationship. It's very hard to explain unless you're in that situation, but it's fascinating when you do get away and, and, and see that come to fruition. Yeah. It's a, 
it's really interesting. I, I know a lot of people that are ahead of me that are way more hardcore on this. And I've really, really taken this in because I'm just, I'm naturally like, I'm the guy that like, I just want everybody to like me, but yeah. you know, very difficult to be like, just boundaries, right? I, I <laughs> am not good at that. And that's why no, you got to know yourself. That's why the hack for me is like, when I hit that, that barrier, it's like, okay, time to move. Cause I just know myself, <laughs> yeah. you know, but I mean, it, there is a concept though, that I've, I've seen amongst the ultra successful and I've really embodied this. Like some of them are like, there's no exception to this. Like if you're not focused on creating wealth, you can't be in my life. Like that's how most of them are. Oof. For me, it's, you can't be in my daily life. Mm. I'm not getting rid of you completely, but the people that I'm on the phone with all day long, we're trying to make moves. We're trying to build wealth. We have, we have a common interest. Like, and, and the other thing about people like this, they're never going to say, Hey, I haven't heard from you in a month or two. Where you been? <laughs> um, you never call to check up on me. Yeah. You never bring me any deals. <laughs> what are you doing you know? for me lately? Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's just, look, I mean, you're, you're going to leave people behind. Like there's just no way if, if they're taking their, like to your point, their 5% raise and you're trying to double your income every year, it's going to cause some, uh, some issues. There's yeah. going to be some jealousy. There's going to be some, I don't get it. You never yeah. hang out anymore. All this kind of stuff. And you, you're going to have to be strong and understand that it's going to be lonely on the way, but it's not lonely at the top at all. No. That's a great way of putting it. Well, beautiful, man. I can't believe we're at an hour already. I don't want to take too much of your time. <laughs> uh, but yeah, we could talk about this for, for, for days, man. Um, but here's what I, I want, I do want to do. So I'll, again, I'll link your Instagram and your page and everything like that, but, uh, give us a shout out where people could find you, what you got going on. Uh, you say you're, you're speaking, is that just through work up in Vegas? You're speaking. Oh, I mean, it's, just... Yeah, it's different masterminds. Uh, the next one I'm doing is, uh, down in Puerto Rico in August with Sean Crane. Uh, he's doing a oh, mastermind cool. down there. I'll be speaking at it. If you're interested in it, uh, shoot me a DM. I can give you all the info for that mastermind. Uh, but yeah, nice. it's Kearns Capital. That's our hedge fund. Kearns.capital is the website. There's no .com on the back of that. Just Kearns.capital. <laughs> nice. <laughs> and uh, yeah, you can find me all over the socials. Uh, Instagram is my favorite. So it's Justin Freistadt. It's a tough last name. I'm thinking about changing it, but it's F-R-E-I-S-H-T-A-T. <laughs> I wasn't even going to try. Earlier, I was going to introduce your last name. I was just going to stick with Justin. <laughs> yeah it's a great Marketing. name though it's a great name yeah i guess it's, a it's not very marketable though no you'd have to like go with like a smith or a like a chase or yeah. like justin chase it's kind of dope yeah, that's a good one I or, like that one. or i'm gonna bring out my nerd your last name should be credible Amen. justin that's credible good. wow <laughs> now i got it <laughs> this guy <laughs> trademark um no but this was great man thank you for uh for all the knowledge you dropped and um yeah it's, it's interesting to see i definitely uh consumed your content i'm gonna keep looking into that and and all your masterminds man and just keep doing what you're doing man it's, it's cool to see uh everything that you're up to and um i'm sure you're gonna have years and years of success so congrats on everything thanks so much same to you been enjoying your stuff and uh yeah next time out in florida maybe we'll link up Hell yeah, man. Let's do it. You're the man, Justin. Well, good talking with you, man. And uh, keep doing what you're doing, bro. Thanks. You too. Talk to you soon. Oh, hey there. 
First of all, thanks for making it to the end of this video. Not a lot of people do, according to the YouTube analytics, but I, I do want to say thanks for listening to this. There's some more episodes if you want to check those out and they're all just as good but if you haven't already make sure you subscribe to the channel check out those timestamps below to reference uh, some of the topics i talked about as well as some discount links to some of our sponsors and affiliates but uh, thanks for listening to this episode and uh, we'll see you next time